All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Thank you, everybody, for joining me right here on the Hardcore Leadership Podcast. I'm excited about today's show. I hope that whatever you're doing, I hope you're having an incredible day, an incredible evening, whatever time you choose to listen to this broadcast. I just hope it is an amazing day for you. And whatever you're going through, good, bad, or indifferent, I hope that you know that if you're going through something that feels trying, that tough times don't last, tough people do. You can make it, you can survive it. It's not so insurmountable that you cannot overcome it. I believe in you. That's right, I believe in you. I don't have to know you personally, but I want you to know that I believe in you. You know, today's show is going to be very special because we are going to be talking about multiple myeloma. What is multiple myeloma? We're going to talk about that today because there are so many uh, uh, different afflictions out here and, and forms of cancer that nobody talks about that we don't even know about. And this one is affecting the African-American community at alarming rates. So I'm excited to delve into it. I'm excited to talk about it because it is a subject that needs to be discussed because there are so many people who are being affected but who don't know that they have it uh, uh, beforehand, who don't know to get tested for it. And, and so I want to make sure you have all information possible so you can live your healthiest and best life. Today I have on the show Miss Kim uh, Kimberly Alexander. She's a speaker, cancer advocate, radio show co-host, experience coordinator, and author. After losing her husband, NFL linebacker Elijah Alexander, to complications due to multiple myeloma in 2010, she decided to dedicate her time to raising awareness about this disease, fundraise for cancer research, and serve as a resource for cancer patients and their caregivers. Alexander was featured on Dateline NBC with Tom Brokaw, discussing her life as a cancer caregiver as Brokaw shared his experience with myeloma. She narrated the award-winning health video, Multiple Myeloma in the African-American Community, hosted the Cancer Patient Survival Dinner during the American Society of Hemoglobin Convention and served as a guest panelist for both the Society of Oncology Social Workers and the Lone Star Blood Cancer Conference. She recently sat on a panel during the National Black Caucus of State Legislators discussing the importance of diversity in clinical trials and in 2014 penned Fairy Tales, Fate, and Fortitude and Dare to Be Different, uh, Dare to Be a Difference Maker, rather, I'm sorry, a story that chronicles her family's experience during her husband's fight with cancer. With a degree in broadcast journalism from the University of Colorado at Boulder, Alexander is certified in nonprofit management and owns a boutique consulting firm called Kim Connects. She is co-host of the game Golf and More Experience on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, Texas. As a member of the Board of Trustees for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of North Texas, she serves as the Vice Chair of Communications. In addition to that role, she is a founding board member of Off the Field Players' Wives Association, a nonprofit comprised of active and retired NFL wives where she coordinated projects with Habitat for Humanity, the Salvation Army, and St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. 
She also serves on the Family Advisory Board of the Football Players Health Study at Harvard University, which focuses on improving the health of football players after leaving the NFL. She is the mother of two sons. Please welcome Ms. Alexander to the show. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks for joining me yeah. on this show. Thanks for taking time to uh, join me here today. And, um Thanks for being a guest here on the uh, Hardcore Leadership Podcast. Thanks for having me. So, okay, explain to uh, those of us who, who don't know myeloma. 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 Yeah. For, for uh, everybody listening, just know that that has been twisting my tongue for the last hour. Myeloma. Myeloma, yes. You are in great company because pretty much everybody I've ever encountered initially mispronounces it. So oh, that's what actually gives me um, a lot to do because I, I never hesitate to correct them because I feel like it opens the door for me to explain to them what multiple myeloma is. Good. Yeah. So, okay, for those of us who don't know, there are a lot of people who are not aware, who have mm-hmm. never heard of it. Right. What is it? So multiple myeloma is a, it's a blood cancer. It's in the same family as leukemia and lymphoma, except there is no cure for it. And um, and it tends to affect African-Americans at a higher rate than it does any other race. And so um, it actually tends to affect older Americans too, or older people. And um, for my husband to be diagnosed with it at 35 was actually pretty rare. But what ends up happening is your body is basically producing um, too many cancer cells and it's pushing out the good cancer cells and you end up having really high amounts of protein in your system and um, basically you are given chemotherapy, Um, you go through certain therapies, sometimes a stem cell transplant just to try to you know kind of keep the cancer at bay. You can put it into remission for a little while but it tends to come back. So it's always a matter of um, just trying to find out the best combination to treat it and keep the patient uh, comfortable. Well, so is it is it something inherited or is it uh, is it something that you can do to prevent it being that it's a blood disease? Nope. So that's a great question. I'm glad you asked it because it's actually an issue for all blood cancers. There is no way to prevent it. There's no screening process for it. It's kind of like once you um, are having some symptoms and you go to a doctor, they tell you you have it and you have to hit the ground running. And so with Elijah, um, as you mentioned, he played in the NFL, so he was relatively healthy. He was typically about 6'3", 235 pounds. And um, he started having pain in his feet, and he kept going to doctors who were telling him, you know, you've got this pain because you played football. Like, of course you're going to have aches and pains. And uh, one day he just kind of deteriorated a lot. He was actually on a plane on his way to Costa Rica for a golf trip, and he was doing so poorly that they ended up bringing in a physician to the hotel to check on him. And that doctor ran tests on him that said, look, you know, there's something really serious going on with you. You need to get back to the States and go see your doctor. And that's really what led us down the path of finally figuring out that he had multiple myeloma. Wow. So... um, It is not necessarily hereditary. They are um, recently just kind of realizing that there might be some connection between people passing it on. But for the most part, they don't really know what even causes myeloma. Wow. Yeah. That's that's incredible. So... Yeah. um, 
With, with you now uh, being a resource uh, and now, um, you know, talking to, to many people in the African-American community, mm-hmm. uh, what is one of the first steps? Is it, a, is it a blood test? Is it something maybe, uh, I know you can't really diagnose yourself at home, but well, what's yeah. the first step? Well, typically um, you would go to your doctor and they would run some blood work on you and, and you know, Typically, when you go, they'll they'll be looking to see if you have some type of infection, so they'll notice like your white blood cell count. Um, they might do some kind of test on your kidneys to see if they're functioning properly. Um, it's just I think it's important to talk about it because I feel like if people are at least aware of it, even if they don't understand what I'm saying, if they can Google multiple myeloma and and do a little research on their own, um, it's something that they can ask their physician about if they're curious because it just you know, it's it's tricky, and unfortunately, it's being diagnosed even more than it was when he was diagnosed a few years ago. Right. And the reason I ask that is because though it's a blood disease, you know, uh, blood cancer, rather, mm-hmm. you know, there are some things you can see when if you look in the mirror, there's something abnormal. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you notice, maybe you look at a photo and you say, oh, well, I didn't realize, I didn't see that scar mm-hmm. or something before. That's that's really Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, And um, when I look back at photos from a few months before he was diagnosed, I noticed he, he was losing weight. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, we didn't think anything of it, but... Um, Really, that was probably the only thing that I noticed. He was starting to look a little bit more frail. Well, for, and that just and that's, really just t- started happening. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that's that's very interesting. And and unfortunately, you know, in 2010, he he lost that battle. Mm-hmm. But but you know, he he lost it. But you found a new focus in helping people to get the word out about this terrible thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sorry to hear about that. How did you regain the strength to to get back up and, and turn this negative into a positive? Well, honestly, um, we had two sons. Our boys were 11 and 13 when Eli passed away. And I knew they were watching me. And I felt like if I fell apart, who would they look at to you know, keep pushing forward. I didn't want to be um, a deterrent to them. I didn't want them worrying about me. I was blessed enough to have my parents who were living in Florida at the time who had been divorced since I was two. Actually, both of them moved into my house after my husband passed away. My, My dad lived downstairs. My mom lived upstairs. And they helped me with raising the boys. And it allowed me to um, kind of reinvent myself, quite frankly, because I'd only been pretty much a stay-at-home mom. I, I did have a, a business that I had started um, when my husband was playing football, but it was just a business I was running from from my house. I had a little T-shirt company where I was doing custom rhinestone shirts, but I'd never really done um, anything outside of that. And once he was diagnosed, I became his caregiver, so that really took up a lot of my time. So without him, I felt like I needed to find something to pour myself into. And because he'd gotten so involved with the cancer community after his diagnosis, I kind of stepped in where he left off. Wow. Incredible. And and it's so great um, that that you were able to bounce back and find purpose in this. And now you're an author, you're a speaker, Mm -hmm. you are 
a experienced consultant. Right. Coordinator. Coordinator. Mm -hmm. You don't consult, you coordinate. Mm -hmm. I consult some things, but I do experience coordinating. What that means is I do a lot of partnerships with um, retail companies and charities. And so I'll bring them together and put together events that will turn into fundraisers. And then I also... um, have a dinner series that I started called Kim Connects, which was similar to like a networking dinner, but not quite because I I hate the typical term network. So um, it's just all about putting in a lot of thoughtfulness and um, overseeing the different moving parts that will make an event very special for anybody involved. Okay, so uh, this uh, experience mm-hmm. now that, that you have partnered with, with mm-hmm. multiple companies and mm-hmm. stores. Mm-hmm. And, and a, a lot of people see that and they say, oh, well, you know, I have a cause. I have a, a nonprofit. I want to do that. How do I get uh, Target or how do I get uh, MCM to, to come in and let me put my event on? Uh, event on? It's, it's not as easy as people think. Uh, dispel some of the myths out there for me. Well, you're right. It's not as easy as people think. And I've um, been blessed enough to do a few of them. I've partnered with um, Nordstrom and Jimmy Choo. We did an event once. I've done um, events with Christian Louboutin probably about four times now. And then most recently did an event with MCM, the luxury leather company. Um, and you're right. It's not it's not easy for one when you're dealing with luxury brands or any brand for that matter. You're dealing with a corporate office that has their own ideas and and ways of doing things. And you have to make sure that when you partner them with a nonprofit, the nonprofit um, understands what the brand is wanting to focus on. And then you have to hope that the brand is also focusing on what the nonprofit wants to do. Um, and to me, the most important part of everything is making sure that the event is mutually beneficial. I feel like where a lot of nonprofits mess up is they have their hand held out all the time saying, hey, come help me, partner with me, let, you know, give, give, give to us. And they're not understanding that the retailers or these brands and businesses that they want to work with are putting out money trying to make the event be special for them. And it has to be a two-way street. You have to figure out a way to find that sweet spot where the people who are attending will support enough for the retailer to give back and so on and so forth. Absolutely. It's not just you have a cause and you want somebody to help you. Can't be. And and it has to be, like you say, it has to be win-win. It has to be that the the retailer sees a value Mm -hmm. in you. And you see a value in them. And and I know one thing that you're really meticulous on is your invite list. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this and you're trying to put together dinner or lunch or something, your invite list makes an incredible difference. Huge difference. It's not just people you like. It has to be people who can be resources. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That can that both parties can benefit from. So I read in your bio that, that you are a sports uh, co-host uh-huh. for a radio show called The Game, Correct. Golf and More uh, Experience. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's really um, uh, that can be quite intimidating. As you know, here I am trying to do this podcast now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in this coffee shop, but still just trying to maintain and juggle everything. Um, you are 
you're a woman in the quote unquote man's world of sports mm-hmm. and sports broadcasting. So how do you how do you maintain who you are in that incredibly testosterone driven world? Well, you know, it's interesting. I think my perspective on sports is different, and so um, that's what makes my voice different. You have to understand, having been married to an NFL player and now the mom of a professional baseball player, you know, our um, youngest son was drafted by the New York Yankees a few years ago. And so he's a part of their minor league system. So I've been around um, professional sports for a really, really long time. And my angle when it comes to them is not the typical, oh, you know, who scored what, how many tackles did they have, how many yards after the catch. Like, I honestly don't care about that kind of stuff. I don't get um, too bogged down by that stuff. I'm actually more interested in the backstories of players, you know, finding out what kinds of things make them tick and what kinds of things um, are the rules and, and, you know, whatever's going on in the sports world. You know, like now everybody's talking about Major League Baseball's getting ready to get cranked back up and, and players are concerned about contracts. And so my perspective comes in from, you know, well, hey, my son is now playing. Um, how, would, how would that impact him? And do I think it's fair for, um, for, for teams to not be wanting to pay players? Mm-hmm. Having been married to a player, it's like, you know, I kind of have insight that um, the typical broadcaster wouldn't have. So. Yeah, so you look at it from a different world's perspective Absolutely. really uh, yeah. as you just said I mean it's it's interesting to um, having come from almost within the world that you now talk about you, you bring this different uh, ideology that somebody who may have went to school for journalism mm-hmm. and who may just have studied stats and studied players mm-hmm. and studied teams you know you kind of have an inside track on it so that's, that, that's very interesting did you find it tough breaking into to this world? Um, not really, um, but that was honestly just because of someone that I knew that helped tremendously. Um, I think that if I were to want to do something on a bigger scale, it would be tougher. There's definitely a lot of competition out there. Um, there are a lot of women in sports now, which I think is incredible, um, but I have my own opinion on um, how women in sports are portray- p- portrayed now, so... Please share. That's what we're here for. Well, I mean, I just look at it like, um, you know, every Sunday morning when we're doing the show and we have all the monitors set up so that I can see all the different stations. You know, ESPN is going, Fox Sports might be on, the NFL Network might be on, and um, you'll see all the guys there in in their suits. And I feel like the women are are almost – expect it to be a little bit more, I guess, sexy and super attractive in order to maintain the man, the man's attention. And so because I'm a little bit old school, you know, back in my day, I was taught that, you know, women broadcasters had to wear their hair a certain way and they couldn't wear certain earrings and they, you know, had to carry themselves a different way. So seeing women on TV now is um, it's just very different. Wow. Sorry, buddy. You know, can't help live broadcasting sometimes. That's um, that that's interesting. I uh, I, I'll be quite honest. I don't really watch. I, I try to watch sports mm-hmm. on Sundays. I don't get a chance to a lot of times. Yeah, you're a little busy. Yeah, I'm a little busy on Sundays, so I don't really get that opportunity. But I can definitely see what what you're meaning, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm I'm happy to see. Uh, you know, we are 
you know, being inclusive and having women in the conversation. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. think it's ever a good thing when one particular group dominates anything. So I agree. I, I'm glad about that. So you said one of your sons plays plays uh, baseball. Mm-hmm. Your other son does he he's play a, football? No, he doesn't. Uh, my my other son is actually in in school and he's also a DJ. So um, it's interesting because I wanted to be a DJ. You mean like a, a disc <laughs> Yeah, like a DJ rhythm? DJ, like, like spinning. Cars. Like okay. I wanted to be Spinderella. And um, <laughs> and I, I bought, I was actually in the process of buying myself DJ lessons, and I happened to mention it to my oldest son, and his eyes lit up. And so I gave him the DJ lessons instead, and he came home after his first one and sold off all of his video game equipment. Wow. And bought DJ equipment, and the rest is history. So um, I'm loving seeing him do something that he loves. I, I love that being that way for both of my sons, actually. So. That's that's incredible. Yeah. Um, so is he doing professional parties now? Yeah, like yeah, that? yeah. He does um, events, and I mean, it's it's just interesting to me how how quickly everything has happened. But he's um, he's out there doing his thing. He's DJ Easy Does It. Wow. Yeah. DJ Easy does it. Yeah. Remember that, everybody. <laughs> um, okay, so you mentioned, um, kind of going back for a second, you mentioned that your parents came in and mm-hmm. basically lived there mm-hmm. at the house with you. Um, how did you um, maintain uh, your voice in raising your sons and raising these responsible boys? Because there are a lot of people um, who have the grandparents involved, and sometimes when that happens, one of the voices is going to be diminished, right? Because the kids are going to go to one particular, uh, either the grandparents or the parent, and one of the voices they're just not going to listen to. So how did you maintain such a strong voice in your boy's life? Well, I think my sons um, know my personality uh, okay. <laughs> and, um, and knew that that, that wasn't, it wasn't an option, um, my mom was probably the one that was most hands-on with them because when she moved in with me, she ended up becoming a substitute school teacher in their school district. So she would see them quite often um, at the schools that she was sub in, or she would see their friends and end up knowing everyone. But um, at the end of the day, I'm still I was still their mom, and and they knew they needed to listen to me, and they knew that my mom and dad were there to serve as support. I mean, I was grateful my mom moved right in and loved cooking so I allowed her to relieve me of those duties <laughs> and um and because of her help you know it allowed me to develop into being the person that's doing all of the things that I'm doing now yeah especially with two teenage boys yeah. I'm sure there was always cooking and always food being eaten it still is and there's a, a just a rotation on mm-hmm. the refrigerator door worn out and it's yeah you probably need new hinges on that bad boy Okay, so let me ask you this, and, and, and we'll wrap up. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for your time. If you're just now joining me, talking to uh, Miss Kimberly Alexander, uh, who's an incredible individual, and uh, you should definitely look her up. I'll give you all her info here in just a moment. Um, but uh, there's a question that I ask all of my, my leaders that, that come on the show. As a leader, um, you, you've been a leader of several organizations. You've sat on many boards. Uh, what is one of your pet peeves as a as a real leader? Ooh, one of my pet peeves as a leader. Um, I think one of my pet peeves is maybe working with people that aren't um, keeping up with trends. 
Um, I think it's really important when it comes to trying to move the needle in any field that okay. you stay on top of what's current now. And, and to me, that's always going to include knowing what's going on in the news, what's going on um, as far as being able to leverage your brand on social media, you know, and your brand being whether it's a nonprofit, a for-profit, whatever it is, whatever you're trying to do, you need to um, know the ins and outs of being able to stay competitive in the marketplace. And, and to me, that's one of the toughest things that I, I think I, I get discouraged with when working with some people where they just don't understand the importance of being able to keep up with you know, the people who are coming behind us. Absolutely. You know, one thing that I, I try to make sure I, I always pass along to somebody is that if you are a leader uh, of an organization or, or a company, whatever you are a leader of, and especially if you own this uh, uh, individual or individually, if you own this company, rather, mm-hmm. you can never, you can get people to work for you and you can get people to help you, but you'll never get people to have your heart. And that's the biggest thing. That's one of the biggest things that I see an uh, entrepreneur ha- uh, wrestle with. You're not going to get people to have your heart. You're just not. It's your vision. It's your, your it's dream. It's your baby. It's your baby. Yeah. It's not theirs. Yeah. They may like it. They may enjoy doing it. But you'll never get them to have your heart because, again, it's yours. Mm-hmm. Um, in uh, everything that you've dealt with, everything you've been through, What's one of the things that you use to encourage yourself or to, re- to strengthen yourself? Ooh, um, one of the things I do to strengthen myself. You know, I would think that probably what I do most is um, I like to pour myself into learning different things. To me, it's always important to never be complacent when it comes to um, whatever it is you want to accomplish. I I love the way the internet works now. You can literally Google anything and and go on YouTube or find some kind of webinar or something that will educate you on some subject that you don't know. And so to me, I feel like knowledge and and just always learning something um, is really important and and key to staying on top of my game. Good. Okay. Knowledge and and. I think knowledge is key. I think I've heard that before. You have, maybe? So, a couple you know, times? As I like to say, knowledge is key. <laughs> oh, do you? Is that your, your <laughs> saying? Maybe I got it from you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe I didn't realize well, it. That, that's a good thing because people think once you reach a certain plateau, you never stop learning. And that's just not true. I mean, you always have to learn. Always have to. And, and you know, the old saying, ignorance is bliss <laughs> until you're... Until you can't function yeah. anymore. Ask, ask Sears, ask Payless, ask all these companies that are yeah. going under right now if ignorance is bliss because they couldn't keep up with the current trends. You know, it'll it'll catch up. Yeah, Blockbuster, uh, Toys R Us. Toys R Us. <laughs> I mean, how does how does a toy company right uh, go out of business? That's because people they moved and and you didn't stay with the trends. Again, getting back to your mm-hmm. previous point. I mean, Blockbuster people were moving to a more mobile system. They didn't want that big blocky uh, tape, and so that uh, you just got left in the wind. Mm -hmm. Or just like how you have Airbnb and Uber, these major companies that have no real overhead because they they don't own cars and they don't own the homes. Nope. It's all an app. It's all an app, and, 
It's just you. You just have to constantly reinvent yourself mm -hmm. and constantly uh, keep figuring out and finding out what more can I do. Yep. There has to be more in you, mm -hmm. and you have to look at life and say, what more can I do? There is something else left for you to do. Kim, thanks so much for for joining me today. Real quick, how can we find out more about uh, myeloma? Um, I would encourage you to check out the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's website. It's lls.org. Or you can actually find me on social media and hit me up directly. My Instagram and Twitter are all the same. It's at the Kim Alexander. That's T-H-E, Kim Alexander. And I'll point you in the right direction. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Kim, for joining me. And thanks, everybody, for listening to the Hardcore Leadership Podcast. Can't wait for you to join me again. Make sure you go check out uh, Miss Alexander's uh, Instagram and uh, Twitter page. And make sure... Uh, if you fear anything at all, uh, that, that any signs that something is not right, you go get it checked out. Stop being afraid to go to the doctors, brother. That's how you find out something is wrong. You take your car in when you think that there's a clinking noise. There, was a clink, there may be a clinking noise going on in you, bro. Go to the doctor. Go get it checked out. Now, I know I sound like your wife or your girlfriend or your mom will go to the doctor, but listen. Sometimes we got to listen to them. They're right, brother. Take care. Until next time, talk to you later. God bless.